said running, the fight, flight, fawn, or freeze, but I was always the flight. I would flee because I didn't know, but I don't do that anymore. I face it. Gotta have that one. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or face. Has your life, your dreams been interrupted? Good news. It is possible to reinvent our lives. People are doing it every day, and some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, then grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted, Act 2, Reinventing Your Legacy, with your host, Coach Lori. Cynthia, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. Well, we always start with talking about our amazing life, and I'm not going to lie, I'm a little jealous of your amazing life right now. Why don't you just start by telling us what you're doing and where you live? I'm living actually on the big island of Hawaii, and it's Kailua Kona, so it's on the west side, the sunny side. It is definitely, if you want to call it paradise on earth. So what are you doing there? The crazy thing is, I came here on vacation for 10 days with a girlfriend. And it was just a miraculous thing, how everything lined up so beautifully. And I didn't even know it at the time. I just received a friends and family voucher from a, an airline friend. It was actually on December 31st, New Year's Eve. I just thought, well, yeah, I could do that. I, I was on retirement a little earlier retirement for me. Never been to Maui. Maui led to the big island. And I'm telling you, it is like God's land. An amazing experience. Fell in love with even the weeds and the people and the kindness. And But I had no idea until I went to a church on the beach and met these people that were just amazing. And they just invited me to a Bible study and they just embraced me. That then led to a conversation. They said, well, when are you moving here? It's like, what? When are you moving here? And I thought, I never considered moving here, but why not? Why not? For the past two years, Lori, I was just home and I was sick. I ended up moving here May 25th. Even the place I'm living was just a miraculous happening. It was the day before I flew out with my one-way ticket to paradise, viewed the unit and made a deposit. And that's where I'm living now. And I have a view of the water. It's, um, it's spectacular and it's all God's hand. I'm so excited for you. And I've seen the, the pictures and your view. It's amazing. But it wasn't always like that. Do you want to take us back? I used to say jokingly, but I was serious when I said this. There's the Bible story about the woman at the well and Jesus meets her and tells her everything about her life because he knows she had been married five times and she was now mar- living with a man that she wasn't married to. And she was a Samaritan woman, meaning half Jewish and half Gentile. They were always at odds with the Jewish people. He tells her everything about her life. And she was so touched and moved by it that she ran back to town. This is the first evangelist in the Bible noted female evangelist. And she ran back to town and told everybody. And they said, well, we want to hear him for ourselves. And all the whole village came and Jesus basically converted that whole town. But I always jokingly said, I wasn't the woman at the well. I was the woman in the well. Uh, I was so buried with just so many disappointments in my life and so many setbacks and So I had been abused, and a lot of it was from the church, sad to say. When I was 12, it was the youth evangelist at summer camp that had spent the week grooming me. That set my life on a path and a course that no one can understand unless they've been a victim of abuse. And he was a married man. He was 29. He was married and had a newborn. It really set my life on a course and a a path, made me feel like I was just an object. Because, Lori, I grew up on a family that was very strict religiously. You're always to be just seen and not heard. 
I heard that all the time. And the only compliment I received from my mom that I can remember was that I was the best at cleaning the bathroom. And I never heard I love you, never anything like that. And it was just this feeling of just being insignificant, kind of like invisible. Yet God had put a call in my life. I didn't know it then, but over the years, it was evangelistic calling. Over the years, being stuffed down inside and not being able to feel I could express myself because we were not allowed to. We were not allowed to defend ourselves or there were no such things as boundaries growing up. Over the years, I've grown to see that my mom was just a deeply wounded and hurting woman, but she chose not to take the path of healing. She chose not to allow God to heal her and deliver her from those pains that she grew up. She was number 13 out of 13. Basically, it was like leftovers. No one had time. She was pretty much raised by her sisters. And then she had been abused by two brothers. So it was kind of this uh, generational thing that was carrying on into my family. But back to the thing about being objectified, I felt like I was just a person to be seen, but not ever heard. And so I found that men were using me that way. So I went into modeling for, I was a young high school girl and I saw an ad and I showed it to my mom and, and it said, do you want to be a model or just look like one? So my mom enrolled me. To, then I was asked by them if I wanted to continue into the professional modeling. Well, I said, sure. I went through it. And then there was no opportunities initially for someone who's 5'5 five five to model because modeling was always just runway type thing, fashion modeling. So I'd been turned down by the school's agency. I was told about a talent agent. I didn't sign up to be in talent. I wanted to be a model. I was with her 10 years and I did a lot of commercials, a lot of runway because petites came out. The petite departments came out. It kind of fed into that scene and not heard. And along the years, I was uh, treated poorly by husbands, had gone through domestic abuse, ribs cracked. I was violated all the time. Boundaries, no such thing as boundaries. I didn't, and when I tried to stand up to people like that. My brother turned and said, what's wrong with you? Can't you forgive? With such venom in his voice. It's either accept that or my marriage would end. And I didn't want a divorce. The drunkenness that went on, I was just confused about relationships and I could never have a voice. Over the years now, the Lord has really been freeing me from that. But then there was a couple hiccups. I, I ended up divorcing him and there was a man waiting in the wings right there. I was married to him for 12 years and the other one was 16 years. So the last husband I was married to, because I, I believe in marriage, Lori, I believe. Here I was Christian, raised. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out how to find the right guy. No one ever said God can do that. I, I don't remember anyone ever saying God has a man for you. I just was so, I didn't go any deeper than just like, well, he seems nice. He seems like fun. He's cute. The little surface traps. Really the root of that, Lori, is I was afraid to be alone. I was afraid to be alone. I didn't trust God with my life. Yet he created me. He knows the numbers of hairs on my head. You would think that I would know that, but race in the church. We just went and went through the motions, you know, it's just, but I got saved at seven. I remember that precious moment with my dad at seven years old. I felt tears in my eyes and he looked at me and he said, you want to go down? And so I went down to the front of the church and got on my knees with my dad and he prayed with me and I received Jesus Christ. But like I said, the rest of my life until in the early eighties was like, everything was gray. I used to envy women and missionaries and people that you hear about who had suffered, who'd been prostitutes. Who'd been a drug addict, and like uh, David Wilkerson's story with Run Baby Run, all the the gangs, and how did they go from darkness into the light? I was just caught in this gray area. 
I then kind of made decisions that tried to spice up my life and it wounded me deeply. But there was a time when I was married to my last husband because he was absolutely void of any nurturing, any emotions, any really truly love. It was control. He had driven my two children out of the house, my two older children. So I lost my 17 year old son who fled after being on a like constant restriction in his room by him, my husband and my daughter, 13 years old. Three months later, left unannounced. I was at a function for my business. Something just didn't set right with me. My daughter wasn't answering. She was on a restriction by my husband again. I was so afraid to stand up to him. I was afraid of him. But I said, something's not right. She's not answering the phone. I felt it in my heart. I left him behind. I took the car. And I raced home. I opened the door of my house, Lori, and I cried out her name. And there was no answer. And I ran upstairs to her room and her room was emptied out. I lost my daughter. I should have gone with him, Lori. That was my chance. And I was devastated. So for the following month, I was in shock and in grief. And I blamed him for driving my children away. I was in a vice. I was stuck in the middle like like when I grew up. My dad was the, the kind one. My mom was the broken and I saw this relationship and I was like my dad. I was afraid. My dad was afraid of my mom. I found out years later, he was afraid of her. So it was the same thing for me in that moment. At one point, I remember thinking that I just don't want to live anymore. I don't want to live anymore. The voice was coming to me saying, life's too painful. It's just too painful. You've had too many losses. I was scared about that. And I remember I got in my car and I drove to the ER. I literally crawled in on my hands and knees. I couldn't even walk in. That's how beat down I was. I was so broken and so in so deep in grief over the loss of my children. I wasn't even able to talk to them. I sat in that emergency room. I remember it was a cold, tiled, walled. All the walls were tiled. They didn't know what to do with me. I remember the cry, Lori, that came from inside of me was so deep and so mournful and so grieving that I just moaned and cried and I had my head against that cold tile. And finally, they were able to get me over to St. Joe's Hospital. I didn't know there was a special place for people like me. It was actually a good place. It was for people that were in deep chronic depression. And that's what I was dealing with, lost depression. I was enrolled <laughs> into the hospital. Nothing much happened except for I just went through some class and I had a doc. After a week, I got out and they had given me some antidepressants. And the doctor says, well, you know, be sure you don't take in too many of these. Oh, no. Well, a month later, facing still that man that had zero emotion, no responsibility. I had no contact with my children. I was isolated. And I, for probably a week straight, I was in a fetal position in my bed. Nobody to talk to. And I don't know where anybody was in my family or my life or my friends. Well, I was kind of didn't have a lot of friends because of my husband. But I remember hearing this voice again, come back to me. And it says, yeah, life's too painful. You had a lot of losses, haven't you? Just be done with that pain. I told this to people before. Hard to understand maybe until you've been in this place of that level. Uh, the thought came to me, well, go, go put yourself out of this misery. You got those pills in the bathroom. My husband was in the dining room doing bills. I was just laying there alone, depressed, suicidal. And I walked in the bathroom. The lighting was different. The lighting had an amber glow about it. And I say amber glow because it was the spirit of death attracting me. It wasn't a pitchfork with horns kind of lighting where it would shock me into reality. It was this alluring, warm glow. I always said that the lights were amber. Like I was looking through another lens in my own eyes. It was golden. Then I looked in the mirror at myself 
and I saw the theatrical mask, the frown. My face was so furrowed in frown of brokenness that I didn't even recognize myself. And I, everything was slow motion. I was just going slow motion, and I opened up the cupboard door, the bathroom medicine cabinet door, and I saw the pills, and then I took them, and I walked slowly out of the bathroom, and I went into the kitchen, and I looked through the door just from a distance. I just stared at him, and his back was to me, and I just thought, there's nothing here. There's nothing with him, just dead. So I slowly walked back into the bedroom and sat on the edge of my bed, and I downed all the pills in that one moment, and as soon as I did, it was like the flip of a switch. What are you doing? What did you just do? You're going to die. How are you going to die? How are they going to find you? Are you going to wet the bed? Are you going to have convulsions? What's going to go on? I Then I stuck my finger down my throat thinking I could get rid of them that way. Well, that didn't happen. So I'm committed to dying. I'm committed to taking my own life at this point. And then I went over and decided to call 911 poison control. And of course, it was the same thing that people say, oh, I have a friend. It's always that friend that does something wrong. <laughs> but it's really you. I wanted to know what this medication would do to someone dying. I just didn't want to die in, in a weird way. I just wanted to go to sleep. Then I suddenly cared about how my husband would find me. Then the reality was coming. I, I am a caring person. I care about what people feel and think. And I was so steeped in that, the bottom of that well. But they said, so then back to the 911 call, they said, was it you that took the pills? And I just said, yes, it was me. So then they already had an ambulance sent, sent over. I didn't even know it. And they said, well, get your things together. Uh, we have someone coming over and you need to go to the hospital and they need to see you. I grabbed a couple things and slowly walked to the front door and the lights were flashing. And my husband met me at the door and I said, this is for me. The lights are for me, your wife. Bye. He didn't even, yeah, good, good. I wanted to, I wanted him to be shocked. He never talked to me. He never wanted to know how I felt about anything. So I walked out that door and I got in the ambulance. And I'll never forget that they handed me a teddy bear. I'm like they do with children. And I went to the same place, same floor, same hospital. But this time they took me to the ER there and they had me on a gurney and they said we can either pump your stomach or you can drink this charcoal and they served it in like a styrofoam cup these are weird things to remember but it was like it looked like it should have been a milkshake from frisco freeze but it was black charcoal and at this point in time i had come to my senses i was so embarrassed and i was so ashamed of what i had done but i was a woman that was just so broken i just had to make myself drink that thing and i'll tell you what that's enough to make someone never want to take try to take your life because it's like someone added water to ashes in your fireplace and you have to drink it, but it's a neutralizer. But this is really, in fact, what, what it was like for me. Took me to my room and by this point, I could feel sleepy. About one o'clock the next day, I was awakened by a doctor walking in the, the room, into my room. I was alone and he flipped the light on and walked across and I saw him. I kind of woke up and sat up and I saw him and I thought, oh, I remember him from before, but he wasn't my doctor. He was a doctor who never looked people in the eyes. Coach Lori here. I am not anti-aging. I am all about aging gracefully. Did you know we stopped making collagen at a certain age? And did you know powdered collagen has to go through your whole digestive system? So I am a big fan of Glow Liquid Collagen. It helps me age gracefully, inside and out. To order, check the link below. By the way, if you order two at the same time, free shipping. Or if you would like to be an affiliate, make a little extra cash, click the affiliate link.
but he wasn't my doctor. He was a doctor who never looked people in the eyes. It was kind of weird. He was an older doctor, but he probably had to disengage from people because he had to deal with so many people. This is very important. The first thing that came to my mind was me. I said to myself, watching him walk across the room, I said, oh, that's him. I'm not going to tell him anything. I was closing myself off. But then this little tiny voice said, oh, but, but tell him anyways. That was the Holy Spirit. That wasn't me. And what happened after this, what took place in that room changed my life. I never went to that place again. So the doctor sat down by the window. I was sitting in my hospital bed and I was looking at him and I just let him have it. He goes, what brought you back here? Tell me about it. Well, he wasn't looking at me. (laughs) He asked the question and I said, how would you like it if your wife drove your children out of your house? How would you like it if your children left you and you never spoke to them again? And he looked at me then and he said, Something that changed my life. That your children didn't leave you because you were a bad mom. He said they left because you were a good mom. And something in my head, something in my brain completely did a flip-flop on how I was viewing myself. And the way I viewed myself, Lori, was with such self-hatred, such self-loathing. I loathed myself. Who would want me? Who could stand to be near me. I even lost my own children. I even drove my own children out because of my choices. And really knowing what I know now, Lori, my choices were my choices. They weren't choices from God. They were my choices, not his. That put me on the road to healing, to know that my children didn't really leave me because I was bad. I was did I did everything I could, Lori, to protect them from him. But I couldn't even protect myself. How can you protect your children if you can't protect yourself. And for me, it's like this. Every time I go on on an airplane, I'm reminded of that. They always tell you, put the mask on yourself first before you put it on your child. I was trying to put the mask on my children, but not myself. And I was dying. I was dying from lack of oxygen in every way. So then it was my time to start learning how to put the oxygen mask on me. Over time, well, it's something kind of funny that I have to go back to say, though. The very first time, Lori, I was at that hospital when I was wanting, contemplating. And I remember I sat there in the cafeteria. It was a very nice, cozy place. It wasn't a big one flew over the cuckoo's nest institution. It was just a floor on the in the hospital for people with depression and there were two women talking at another table, and I was just sitting there alone. I happened to be close enough to hear them. And they were talking about the food and talking about how last time they were there, it was better. I smirked, and I, I thought, who would be here more than once? Who would come back here again? Oh, I was so superior to them. <laughs> and here I'm sitting in there myself. And guess what? A month later, I was back. That was a humbling time for me. God said, I need your attention. And this is how I'm going to get it. And this is how you're going to talk to people who have been as low as you, who've been in the bottom of the well, buried. You're going to experience things that not everybody's going to experience. But you're going to come through it because you know me. And you're going to learn to know me through these experiences because God says, experientially know me. And for me, I'm kind of one of those visual learners. I always say I'm like the litmus paper. God dumps me and says, oh, 
yep, that's acidic or nope, that's alkaline. I'm not in the gray zone anymore. So now he's used me in women's ministry, but I was invited to actually speak at a women's prison, Purdy, in Washington State. I spoke to three different groups of women, and they were in three different places in their their sentencing. The first group was in the chapel. These were already settled inmates. So then the next group was a smaller group in a smaller room, and it was filled with women who had just come in. These are the women you want to reach. You want to reach all of them, but the ones that are most open, desperate, are the ones that have just come in, and they're scared like deer in the headlights. That was a powerful group. And then the next group was at Mission Creek. This group was one month away from being released. Everyone needed prayer. Everyone had tears. God did a work, a mighty work there. And I just shared my testimony. I shared my love of the Lord and the pain I'd been through. The last group is interesting because I remember going into the ladies' room, and I remember going, I don't know what to tell this group. This group's all happy and they're going out and they maybe don't want to hear a sad story. I'm sitting in the bathroom and I'm talking to God about it. And I said, what should I say to them? And then he says, new beginnings. He spoke to me. God speaks to you even in the bathroom. And then he said, haven't you had many? I said, yes. So then I washed my hands and went into this room packed full of women that were all excited because they were going to be free. And by the time I got done sharing what God had put on my heart to share with them, they all needed prayer and they were crying and God had done a mighty work. They should be very afraid if they don't have the Lord when they go out because there's an enemy and his name is Satan. And he's got his little minions out there that are going to draw them back in. So many of the women I spoke to, especially that second group, I knew they had come from abusive relationships, men that were into gangs and to drugs and into things. And they chose to be with that person or it happened. I understand it. I don't judge them at all. And many of them had been abused as children. I get that. I was, I guess if you just look at people, this has come to me recently. I know it was from the Lord. It's like when you go to an ophthalmologist and you go through the eye exam, there's that weird funky machine in front of your face and they have you put your head up to that thing. It never seems to be high enough. <laughs> You're always stretched out. And then they're all doing a little lens flip. Is this better? What about this one? It gets kind of annoying after a time because then they all seem to look the same after a while. <laughs> but God has shown me in different circumstances I've been in physically, he has flipped the lens. He's given me a new perspective on people. He's flipping the lens on the people that have hurt me as I see them as hurting people. And he gives me a love for them like none other. Instead of running, the fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. But I was always the flight. I would flee because I didn't know. But I don't do that anymore. I face it. Gotta have that one. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or face. I face these things now because I know who's who's got my back. He's got my front. He's covered me. There are so many things that come to mind that I would love to touch on, but the good news is you are going to start a podcast and you are going to be able to share all these amazing principles. Like you said, the fight or flight, it's, there is the fawn and freeze. And once we start to recognize that as survivors, then we can let go of some guilt. So hopefully that is a topic you'll touch on. What is it that you feel like you really want people to know? It's not the end of their story. I thought. It was the end of my story. But God has written a beautiful book about all of us. And he's laid out our life in such a beautiful fashion. And he's given us talents. He's given us abilities and passions and certain gifts that he never takes them back. But we have the opportunity to use them for his good. 
for our good and for the good of others because we give it back to him and say, how do you want me to use what you've given me, God? Instead of us taking our gifts and talents and what we have and using it and applying it for what we think we know. That's a life I just shared with you in a minuscule amount of what suffering I put myself through because I didn't understand that God had a a plan, a beautiful plan for my life. And I'm just now starting to see it and feel it and sense it since I've moved. Seriously, he's he's had to take me out of that environment I was that had the memories. Like Lot's wife, if anybody knows the story, how Abraham took Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And and they were told, don't look back because it was destroyed by God for the sin. His wife looked back and she froze into a pillar of salt, the Bible says. If I look back, what God has already healed me from and want to look back and revisit that, that will freeze me. That's the freeze. So I'm moving forward. So from now on, I'm facing things with God so much better. What are you reading? I've not been able to settle down and really read a good book. I used to love true stories. So it'd be nonfiction. I love biographies. But right now I'm just delving God's word and applying his word to me. That's really where I'm at. I'm reading through the Bible right now. And I say, that sounds like a monumentous task. Have you done that yet, Lori, yourself? Probably 80 times. <laughs> this is my first time ever because I've, I've always thought that sounded so daunting, but I thought you always had to start January 1st. Like, no, no, you, you can start anytime. So I kept missing that date. So what I'd have is an audio Bible that reads it to me and it reads it through, not straight through. It reads it in sections, but I've gotten a lot of teachings that I have shared on my YouTube channel from that. I've extracted that from what I've just heard. And then I hear stories about these characters in the Bible, especially the Old Testament kings, how many failed, how many God raised up and how many sinned and how many fell short. And I might be one in the world. I don't know, maybe one of a few that actually enjoys the genealogies when they're read off because I know some of the characters. I know them by name. I know what they did. I know how they fell and they were raised up by God again once they started obeying him. If somebody wants to find you or your YouTube channel, how do they do that? I have a YouTube channel. It's called Shout It From The Housetops because it was a prophetic word given to me many years ago that you will shout it from the housetops that the Lord's been good to me and his name is faithful. The housetops is the internet. So I bring out that on uh, the truth of the gospel and my experiences on the YouTube channel. Then on the Facebook page, A Road Less Traveled. And it sounds like a traveling page, but it's not. It's actually the narrow path. It signifies the narrow path. So it's a road less traveled. It's a road that many people are afraid to travel. It takes courage to travel the road that I've been on. I don't say courage like I did such a great job, but the time that I really did a great job was when I started giving it all to the Lord. Often people won't look at their past or share their story and they hold those secrets and it destroys. And it doesn't help anybody. I want to help people. You are helping. I can't tell you how many times I was on my knees, Lori, in the abusive relationships. I would cry to God, don't let this pain be in vain. Don't let this pain be in vain. Let there be a purpose. And he has, he's been doing that. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. You're saying yes. And I love that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Have you heard, if not now, when? If not you, then who? Are you being prompted to write a book, to create a podcast? Check out Leaving a Legacy at www.coachlaurie, that's coach, L-A-U-R-I-E, dot com. And let's get started on your second act now. 
Three things we learned from Cynthia. Don't let this pain be in vain. Share your story. And she added another F to the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. It's face. If you love this podcast, here's a big ask. Will you share with your friends and family? Subscribe, give us a review, and a five-star rating so that others looking to reinvent their lives will be able to get the help they're looking for. Thank you in advance.